Hey everybody, this is Eric Mueller, the host of The Eric Mueller Show. You're tuned in to the podcast that explores what makes any successful person's inner clock tick by unlocking the most impactful tools within their success portfolios. I'm joined today by Jason Beyer, the Marketing and Partnerships Manager at CrowdSpring, an online design and branding platform. Jason is an expert in finding overlooked visual branding mistakes that hinder your company's growth. In this episode, you'll learn how a visual brand identity can be a substantial competitive advantage, or it can hold you and your company back. Let's head on over to the interview. Jason Beyer, welcome to The Eric Mueller Show. I am so excited to have you on today. Hey, thanks, Eric. I'm excited to be here. Man, now, now, Jason, before we dive deep into your expertise on creating strong visual brand identity, I want to know what makes up your success portfolio. So if you're listening to the show and you're new, let me give you just a quick piece of background. So think of it as an investment portfolio. That's your compilation of investments that lay the foundation for your financial goals. Here on The Eric Mueller Show, I really want to discover how successful people like Jason invest in themselves and build the foundation for that success. So Jason, start us off. What are some skills or habits and traits, mindsets or attributes that make up your success portfolio? Sure, Eric. No, it's a great question. I, I like the way you frame it with the um, with the portfolio, right? Because there's there's not one way to be successful. It's a it's a little bit of everything, and and you might find that you know one thing that you thought was helping you uh, is no longer serving you, uh, you know, as you grow in your career and you you become a little bit wiser. I think it's important for us to realize that. Uh, you know, kind of using like a, like an Oprah mantra to forgive yourself, you know, for your past uh, your your past decisions, right? We want to make sure as we're growing in our careers that we're we're making adjustments. I think the first the foundation, and, and this happened a, a couple years ago, was uh, reading the book Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Did you read this one? I have not read this one. I did see it on your LinkedIn, though. Yeah, so he's he's a neuroscientist. Uh, really fascinating book, and and it's it's the top book that I, I tend to recommend because it's the one that I've been able to implement so many hours out of every single day, right? Because I'm literally taking the the wisdom from this book and 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 applying it to my life eight hours every single day, right? Or at least that's what I'm trying for. And I think this is the foundation. The, the studies have shown Eric Huberman's another uh, great resource that talks a lot about sleep and, and the, the science behind it. But we're talking about something that if you don't get this element, you are starting off, you know, on a, on a two-legged stool, right? You're just starting the day. No matter what you do after you wake up, it's already, you know, just at a deficit. You're, you're already underperforming compared to some of your peers that have this, right? There's just a, a tremendous amount of health benefits and, 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 and just the feeling of just being energized, right? To start your day and, and to get accomplished. And, and this is tough when we're in a job that maybe we don't quite enjoy and we're trying to break out of that or we're trying to, to climb through our career or to learn. We need that energy, right? And the best way to get that is through sleep. And so Matthew Walker's book, uh, some of the stuff from Andrew Huberman has been huge. We, we don't have to get into um, a, a lot of the the, the parts of the book is an easy read. 
but I, I'd say this is this is kind of that foundation. If you don't have this, it's very difficult to to operate. And, and in that book, they get into you know things like caffeine, when to consume it. You know, what's your bedtime based on kind of your age? You know, what's the proper way to get to sleep? The effects of alcohol um, and food and, and, and your diet on sleep. So it's it's pretty comprehensive, uh, but also a fairly easy read. I think this is why it made such a big splash. The um, do you want me to go through with just kind of the uh, a couple items here, and we can pull back if you want on each yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the next one is to remain curious, right? This is something that for me has been um, maybe a little bit more natural. Uh, I don't think I was as, as as curious during college when you know I was assigned things that I needed to learn, uh, but post college and certainly pre college, just being naturally curious. I, th- I think this probably uh, is easier for some people than others. It probably comes a little bit more natural based on the environment you were raised. Uh, but I think it's something we can learn, right? I think uh, just by by trying to ask every day, you know, why? Why is this the way it is? And being just a little bit curious uh, for that answer and then going to seek that answer out. Uh, I think one thing great about YouTube and podcasts is, is it's entertaining now to seek out that answer. You don't have to go to an encyclopedia, right? It is kind of fun to learn something on YouTube that you had really no interest in. Uh, prior to seeing that video, my feed is just this collection of of stuff that you know I, I didn't know I was interested in. But um, YouTube knows me better than myself, and so uh, so so I I go down that rabbit hole. So being curious and uh, and fostering this curiosity, it's good for a couple reasons. One, it's great if you want to go the entrepreneurial route because you're going to start asking this question within you know why is this process done this way? Why hasn't somebody fixed it? It's also great if you want to stay within. Uh, the confines of a job, you know, why, you know, why is this process working this way? And how can we optimize it? How can we fix it? Um, Why am I not advancing? (laughs) You know, you can start, you can start uncovering it. So being curious uh, is is very important. And the last thing I'll say is, is to challenge yourself, um, or at least this works for me is to challenge myself with, with big goals that take a little while to, uh, to, to uncover, to realize. And that process, that journey, um, two things happen. One, it's not a 10-year process. It's it's not something that, you know, I'm trying to work towards for, you know, a decade from now that just seems uh, unattainable. These are things that might take a year, two years, right? So much more attainable. They have a deadline and you're able to reach that deadline, decide, do I want to push forward or, or do something different? I'll give you a couple examples. A few years ago, I did a, a full Ironman, uh, right? So what's that... Um, you know, two and a half mile open water swim, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon after that, all all done, you know, in a single in a single stretch. That took a lot of training, right? And I knew I wasn't trying to become a professional athlete at this. It was more of a mental. I, I wanted to say uh, I grew up watching this happen in Hawaii. I wanted to do it myself. And so, you know, this was this was a mental challenge. And so there was a clear end. I had to learn a lot along the way about biking and running and fitness and and routines and fitting this in with work. And then when that ended, that was it. You know, I, 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 I knew that, you know, that was going to have some finality. I think a lot of times, you know, we feel like we're giving up if we want to dabble in a hobby or a career and then say, you know what, this isn't for me. And instead we just stick with it because, you know, there's inertia and inertia is very difficult to stop. 
right after the Ironman, uh, I, I, I traveled for a year with my, uh, with my two daughters and my wife, worked full time while traveling and trying to save money because I had a mortgage <laughs> already. And so, you know, that was a challenge in itself. And and when that ended, we were like, okay, we're thankful for this opportunity. It was actually sponsored by another company that was uh, uh, compensating me for, for this um, uh, trip. And then most recently, I embarked on building a custom house. Took a year and a half, two years of my life, much longer than I had expected. But I learned a ton about building science and and all of these 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 uh, processes and how to do this while raising a family and and um, and and going on. So maybe a long winded answer, but but the goal for this was to say, okay, what are the challenges that I'm setting for myself? And, and, and then I get to backfill in with, with kind of geeking out and learning and pushing myself to get to that goal. Yeah. I, I really do love that answer, Jason. The first thing I'll say is that I need to read that book because I know that my sleep is not where it needs to be and be fully transparent with you there. None of us is. <laughs> it's yeah. an ongoing optimization. <laughs> oh man. And, and, and I can, te- I can definitely resonate with that curiosity piece and, and, and wanting to set those big goals to challenge yourself again. You know, I'm preaching to the choir because it's a lot easier said than done. I mean, having a goal that you can accomplish in a year, I think we, it feels like we live in this, this day and age of just instant gratification and, you know, the millennial generation that I'm a part of is probably infamous for, for that and, and wanting to, you know, just have something now. And, and I feel like it's good to hear you say that that's, you know, part of your portfolio to set those goals that, you know, it's going to make you enjoy that process and understand that, you know, it takes time to, to build something great. Well, I think the important thing is, is I think your audience is, you know, uh, uh, professional and they're either trying to start companies or they're successful within their own companies and they're they're growing their career. If you notice, all three of those challenges I mentioned have nothing to do with my career. Uh, I lead marketing and partnerships at crowdspring.com. We help businesses build strong brands. Um, and 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 we work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, businesses that, that are trying to rebrand and refocus. And uh, none of those challenges that I just mentioned, you know, are related to that, but they absolutely impacted my ability to succeed at work, right? By challenging yourself, by figuring out how to balance big goals on the side with your work and your family, uh, definitely impacts your ability to uh, work at a much higher pace. So sleep, curiosity, and big goals build the success portfolio of Jason Beyer. What is that that inner clock force that keeps you driving towards success, Jason? What what really motivates you to to get up in the morning and and chase the next level? I guess one one way I look at life is that there there's no there's no there's no goal in the sense that you know we're tr- we're trying to I'm 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 curious about how can I be the best I can be you know within this day within this month within this year, right? You know when when I when I was building the house, you know the 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 there it's never over right it's a great it's a great symbolism for you know life because there's always a project i mean even though i'm living there now for the last couple of weeks you know there's so many projects we still want to get to and it's never over it's just an ongoing process so you have to enjoy the journey if you're not enjoying the journey uh you know there's there's a couple ways to work with that. You either need to change your journey, right? A different career path, different goals, uh, something that you're actually enjoying doing, um, or you're, you're trying to realize that, you know, this is, this is a process, you know, this is, I need to find the enjoyment in the work in the, you know, most of us 
think about somebody who's running, you know, a business that's not that sexy, right? You know, cleaning septic tanks or plumbers or, you know, um, things like this, that they, they have a lot of enjoyment with it. And they have that because they, they're passionate about some of the ancillary things, maybe the ability to communicate with people and, and provide a service and help them. But they also get passionate about learning something, right? As we get deeper into the weeds within our careers and, and, Within this process, we 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 find enjoyment. We find greater enjoyment by kind of that geeking out, by by learning a little bit more. Yeah, and finally, Jason, the last piece that I'll ask you, really, in in terms of the core questions of the show to start off, is what is your definition of success, and has it changed for you throughout the course of your life? Absolutely. I mean, when you think early on, we're just naive. You know, early in our careers, it's it's about status, it's about money. You know, as we shift, and and I think you know, big events typically have this impact on us. Where you know, if they're personal deaths in the family, or you know, losing your job, or something like this, is kind of one of those pause moments where you're like, okay, you know, what's going on with my career and with life? I think COVID was kind of that reset button for a lot of people. It's like, okay, wait a minute, what's important? You know, and and you know, some people realize that working from home is important. Some people realize that you know, working from an office and that camaraderie uh, with their teammates was important. You know, for me, you know, success has been about uh, you know what identifying what's most important. You know, right now, my my family's most important. I've got two daughters. Uh, I'm not going to have that many summers with them. I'm not going to have that many weekends left uh, before they're out of the house, right? And so I want to maximize that. I still need to. I still need to. Uh, provide for them and make money and be successful. I still need to satisfy, you know, uh, my ability as, as a, a or, or my my needs as a human to, you know, perform and be successful and be recognized for my work. But I want to be there for my my family. It might sound cliche, but but I realize that I don't have that that much time uh, with them. That we're that we're on. You know, the clock is ticking. And so for me, you know, success is identifying uh, at least at that time what's what's most important. It's also realizing that there's a season for everything, right? I just came out of the home building season, lasted much longer than I had expected. Uh, but everybody around me and, and the family, we all knew what was what was expected. And, and, and now's the season to kind of refocus, right? Uh, refocus on careers, refocus on you know the family and, and what we do and, and hobbies and things like this. Um, so I think it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process, but one thing that's definitely changed for me, we talked about a little bit about it, you know, kind of leading up to this is, um, you know, what is success not? And, and, and sometimes this might be a little bit easier to identify. And for me, what I've realized as I've gotten older is that success for me is not fame. And I think this is, or, or, or notoriety, this, this is something that, you know, this culture where we've got people making a lot of money you know, uh, you know, selling newsletter subscriptions and 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 TikTok channels and OnlyFans, right? And they're building these brands around themselves. And the only way to do that is really by 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 notoriety, by being famous, right, in their own right. And uh, I've realized that that's not something I want to chase, right? I'd much rather, you know, success for me is not uh, notoriety or fame. I'd much rather be wealthy and unknown. Um, then then have that kind of uh, spotlight and attention. And so sometimes thinking about what is success not for you uh, can also be uh, be an interesting uh, play on that that same question. Yeah, that, that certainly helps me. Um, those of you listening, certainly think back about what Jason just shared about his success portfolio. Think about if there's elements of that that you want to put in your own portfolio. And then I just think it's helpful to, to hear the definition of success each episode because it really 
every time I hear somebody else answer it, my definition shifts a little bit. And so, you know, part of me really kind of seeks notoriety. And now you, you saying that, I mean, I'm kind of like, really, if given the choice, you know, maybe even wealth or fame, what would you pick? That that might be a, an answer that, you know, maybe maybe one of you listening would, would not even be able to answer. I don't really think I have an answer for that. Jason, would you, if you, if you had to pick, I mean, you'd pick the wealth over the fame. Do you think oh, if absolutely. someone picks the opposite? Yeah, but I don't is, think there's a wrong answer, right? right. I mean, look at, uh, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan uh, because uh, he's able to get into very deep conversations with people. I mean, who would have thought people were going to listen to a three-hour conversation uh, with one person and then binge watch, you know, every episode going back, you know, years. And and so, you know, it's clearly hit a, a, a nerve with getting in deep. You know, he's given some great, uh, uh, you know, his notoriety and fame through that platform is really helped a lot of people and it exposed uh, people to different ideas and thoughts. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, I think this is a personal choice that you have to make, but you can only, as you kind of mentioned, you, you, you kind of have to pick one a lot of times on the path that you're going down. And I think just being, you know, this is where you think about like the think weeks that somebody like, um, um, Steve Jobs would have, or or um, who's Microsoft, um, Bill Gates, Bill Gates right. where you know they take some time, you know, to say, okay, let me think about my career and progress and what's important to me. I think it's important for us to continually think. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be famous. I think it's a great way to make money, especially right now. In a way, I'm kind of jealous because I'm like, man, like these people are just killing it just because, you know, they're showing their face in a creative way. I'm like, man, I don't think we were that creative, you know, in, in my teens and and twenties as I'm seeing people, you know, today. And so part of me is just kind of a little jealous of them that they're able to pull this off. But I think you want to recognize, you know, what does that success look like for you and just be comfortable with that, embracing that answer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jason, that, that, that's so helpful. And, and it's a perfect segue into the, the marketing and branding you know, piece of, of the interview here with you is you mentioned the Joe Rogan show. So the, a big personal brand. Another sure. one that I think of is, is, you know, the Howard Stern show. I mean, my, my show is self-titled. I mean, obviously there's a certain aspect to, to creating a personal brand that someone might, they might desire that to, to do that in their entrepreneurial, you know, path in life. And you've had experience in the marketing and branding facets of the entrepreneurship and, and business world. What has been the most impressive brand that you've worked with thus far? So you're at CrowdSpring. That company's helped over 60,000 entrepreneurs. Right. Which one for you, you know, it could be example from CrowdSpring or not. What, what, what's that answer for you? So obviously the big names come, come to mind. We, we've, like you said, 60,000, a lot of small businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, just getting started. We worked with, um, and, and I think the important thing to realize is that we've built a process where you see multiple different designs or names for your company or designs for your product packaging. You see multiple different styles made custom just for you, and you're only paying for uh, for one of them, for one that you pick. So you might have three dozen logos in your in your in your project that's not uncommon and and you're only paying for for one so you get to see a lot of different creativity and um so we we've seen a, the small businesses are a lot of fun to watch because it, through going through this process because it's it's magical seeing this brand become visual right seeing what you've um what what you've what you've built 
and uh, you know we've rebranded the the Dallas Mavericks uh, jerseys. Uh, we have uh, created a pasta shape for Barilla Pasta. Uh, as you know, pasta shapes haven't changed much in centuries, and and so they're like, hey, let's do a PR stunt, you know, where we're we're creating a new pasta shape, and so we worked with them on that. And then, as you mentioned, thousands of small businesses where you've got the first time author, you know, publishing a book, and they create a, 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 an awesome book cover. You know, you've got the guitarist who wants to start, you know, a sideline of of uh, you know guitar strings or something that that they're that they're building, and so it's just it's fun watching all of them, and and you learn a lot of lessons after looking at these where where now I give feedback on on brands and help them uh, see the shortcomings because I think a lot of people are nervous by you know what is a brand and how do I build a strong one yeah and that is really like what I was curious about is what is the difference between a personal brand and a business brand is or is it the same you know you think of the Joe Rogan show as we just mentioned or Amazon obviously people kind of know Jeff Bezos but is there a difference if someone's desiring to create one versus the other? Sure. So the 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 business brand is is one that's built on you know the the idea. It's 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 agnostic of some of the people running it. Obviously, Jeff Bezos was closely tied to Amazon, and you know Steve Jobs with Apple. Um, but you can transition out leadership, and and the 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 companies kind of um, surpass you know the minds of their their founders, right, and become something that you know even they couldn't have dreamed up when they started in their garage. You know the the influence that they they've had. The personal brands, as, as you mentioned, are, are like your show. It's titled for you. It's it's your identity, right? And and there's a lot of benefit to this. Um, there's nobody else that can be Eric. There's nobody else that can be Joe Rogan, right? And so uh, when you embrace, you know, your specific brand and and say, here's what I here's what I stand for. Here's what I want to do. Um, it, it it feels a little bit more natural. Right. And, and it can feel natural. I think one of the challenges with this is you have to be the face. Right. You can't uh, you, you can't sell this business uh, and exit it very quickly. You might have to transition it over or it may be impossible. Right. You look at somebody like Joe Rogan. It's like, you know, uh, he's not going to you know turn it over to Jamie and say, OK, Jamie's running the, the uh, Joe Rogan show now. Um, it, it, it wouldn't have that same impact. Now, that's not necessarily why he's doing it. He's a naturally curious person. When when he reaches, you know, either the end of that curiosity journey or or decides to do something different, um, he's comfortable with 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 ending that. And so I think you have to know that going into a personal brand that, you know, your exit options um, might be a little different than running a company, right? Your exit options as a personal brand are to either fold it up, potentially, you know, remove yourself and rebrand uh, to something that, that 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 has you out of it, um, or continue continue operating it, and, and you know if it's a brand that like you're doing podcasts and that you can do uh, for a long time, then there's not necessarily a problem with with keeping it. But those are some of the the challenges at its at its core. What a brand is is it's every single interaction that somebody has with you, and it speaks to the same direction you know what are you trying to do you know so so amazon you know is doing great customer service you have an expectation when you go to amazon of their customer service of their return policy of uh you know the speed of their website uh if you went to nike you'd want to make sure that you know the product photos weren't blurry or out of focus you know you, you have expectations for what you're seeing with these brands the same is true as with personal brands right 
we're expecting um, uh, you to bring a certain level of consistency within the personal brand, uh, a certain amount of professionalism. And, and, you know, I think the important thing to think about is this doesn't mean you don't have to change, right? Again, we're, we keep using the Joe Rogan example, I think, because everybody everybody understands it. It's it's very clear, but he changes his opinion regularly on things and goes back and forth. You know, he's uh, and that's the nice thing as personal brands. We're not politicians. We, we don't have to get labeled as flip flopping, you know, with our constituents. We're free to be curious. We're free to change our opinions. Uh, people make new decisions based on new information all the time. And, and we should. Uh, and, and so I think just understanding that when we're building that personal brand, we want to lean into, you know, what makes us unique. But part of that means we have to craft it. We have to learn it, right? Because it's too easy to say, oh, I'm going to kind of do the the Joe Rogan show, right? I'm going to be curious and hard hitting and I'm going to swear. And, you know, I'm just going to, you know, try and copy some of these elements. What works better with personal brands is you want to say, okay, what am I bringing to the table? Most of the time, it needs to be either a unique opinion, you know, that's a little bit controversial uh, or different from the mainstream. It doesn't necessarily have to be controversial, but just an opinion, I guess. And then, or the other aspect is to be incredibly knowledgeable at your craft, right? Um, Joe is not. <laughs> he is knowledgeable <laughs> in a lot of different areas. I think one reason why a lot of people resonate with listening to his show is because he asks the questions that normal humans ask. You know, they raise their hand and say, I, I don't know. What do you mean by that? Most people are scared to ask those questions. I think that's why he's a great interviewer. Tim Ferriss is another great interviewer because he asks these questions and, and dives deeper into it. But the people he brings on normally have podcasts of their own and they have podcasts because they are incredibly um, narrow focused on a niche. They just understand it better than anybody else. And so this is another way to lean into that personal brand. Uh, you know, somebody like Andrew Huberman with the Huberman Lab podcast, where, you know, he just understands how to, he just understands his craft and his craft happens to be you know, brain science. And so most of us don't, don't know it. And he, he portrays it in a way that, that we can understand it. Um, so we've kind of talked about uh, podcasts more because that's the medium we're, we're listening to, but you know, these personal brands are certainly not relegated just to just to audio. Right. And, and I've often thought that like the visual identity of, of your brand can, can be kind of two things. It could be a substantial competitive advantage, or it might hold you back. So kind of looking at it from both sides, Jason, what what do you think makes your visual identity an asset versus a liability? And, and this, you know, personal versus business, not so much that, just the brand as a whole. When you see, you know, the Joe Rogan Experience logo, you associate it with his brand. So what what do you sure. what do you think are the qualities of of a good brand versus a bad one, more or less? So it, it, you have to constantly be modifying your brand. You have to constantly be looking at your brand and saying, okay, what do I keep? What resonates? Uh, and and what should what should I what should I modify? Uh, in this example, Joe's kind of the wrong example here because he's a billionaire and he's doing it really for his own personal enjoyment. You can tell he's a naturally curious person and he wants to talk to a lot of unique people. And so, you know, in that way, he doesn't really care, you know, what people necessarily think about his brand and that. But if you look at um, 
I'm trying to think of a, a couple other examples. If you think about websites you've been to or go back in the Wayback Machine and look at websites from the early 2000s, right? You're just disgusted. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Like, I thought that looked good. Like, I purchased from that company, <laughs> uh, you know, in those years. And and we should have, just like we have that type of embarrassment in our careers, we should have a little bit of embarrassment about us 10 years ago, us 15 years ago, us last year. If you don't have that embarrassment, it means you've started too late. It means you've tried to get everything perfect before you launch. And I think the important thing here is just to start moving, right? Start making that momentum if you're trying to build that personal brand or you're trying to start that company. Um, you don't want to have everything perfect. You just want to put the tweet out there. Start writing the LinkedIn post. Start writing the book as a newsletter uh, or as a blog post uh, where five people read it, you know, and 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 four of those people are your mom that keeps refreshing it, right? Uh, so what we want is we want to be embarrassed about the past because it means we took action and we took action early. And so I bring this up now because we should continually be refreshing and looking back at the brand. You mentioned it being a liability rather than an asset. When you start, it's likely a liability because you know you started and you tried to save money. You 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 got started and you you weren't focused on some of these elements because you were just trying to to sell or grow or or get famous. Um, what's the Chinese proverb? The best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago. The second best time is today. Right, and so we want to get started. But then we need to look back and say, okay, you know, is now the time? Am I at a space where I can start um, investing in this visual identity? The only way we know that visual identity, we don't create visual identities and brands for our own gratification. We create them so that they resonate with somebody, right? And so we want that brand and that message and that visual to resonate with somebody, that somebody being our customer, that somebody, you know, paying for our content through Substack or Patreon where they say, okay, I resonate with you and your brand and your message. And, and the visuals follow from that, right? The visuals should just be a natural extension of that brand voice. When you think about colors, uh, which which you know form a, a strong role within, within the visuals, they mean something. Blues mean trust. You know, red means excitement or danger. Um you know, yellow or, or green, you know, means means vitality and 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 uh, and 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 strength. And so there's different forms for these colors. So the steps would be, who am I speaking with? You know, what do you know? What what person is this? What do they resonate with about me and my brand? And then how do I craft that visual so that it is a natural extension? from that, right? It's using the appropriate colors. You know, you wouldn't want a company named Serenity that's in orange and red, right? That's, that's you know, an obvious um, uh, error. So this is one thing that's great, you know, that we built into the CrowdSpring platform because we realized this is a challenge, right? And so what we did was we said, okay, we're going to work with small business owners who don't understand design and, and, and branding. And we're going to say, just tell us the basics about your business and your brand. Tell us who your customers are, what you're trying to do, what sets you apart from your, your competitors. And then from that, we have great designers that we've trained and they understand, you know, branding and design. And they're going to give you dozens of different designs to pick from so that you can say, oh, I get it. You know, this is what this is what makes sense, you know, for this brand uh, and sharing it with your customers to say, OK, you know, does this resonate with you? 
Yeah, Jason, do you think the name of the company is just as important as the logo? So you shared a lot of great tips on on colors and and you know making sure that your logo and brand resonates with your target audience. But is is the like if someone's creating a company or a personal brand, should they focus more on the name or more on the logo when starting? Unfortunately, it's both, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the name the name typically precedes the logo, right? So you're naturally going to, you know, focus on the name first and then shift 100% of that energy to the design side, right? You want to have both. Um, again, we don't want to stress out. We we want action. We want to move, and so we don't want to stress out, you know, and, and be paralyzed with with what we're doing. Sometimes it's just best to call the company what it is, you know, what you're doing in the location, and start moving. You can always rebrand later at a later date. You know, if you if you started the company and you're, um, you know just barstools.com, but then you get into uh, sofas and dining room tables later, you know, you rebrand, right? And so we've all seen this happen as consumers. Uh, So the name is important. Uh, Remember, keep in mind, if you're naming it after yourself, you know, uh, you've got to stay with the company or plan to go through that process later as you're extricating yourself, you know, to kind of rebrand that to bring in additional help. The, um, we, so this is a challenge as well. And so we offer custom naming services for products and companies where it follows the same process. We hire a different set of creatives who understand how to name companies and products. And you get dozens of different custom names uh, for for your, your, your creative brief. You're telling us what the project is. And one thing that I think it's important to mention is that we we're founded by an intellectual property attorney. And so all of the conversations that you're having uh, are protected, they're confidential, uh, they're private. And so we work with a lot of companies we can't talk about because they trust us for that privacy. And I think that's very important, you know, for entrepreneurs getting started, they worry about somebody, you know, kind of stealing that idea, stealing that identity. Yeah. And, and as you're listening, you know that that the show notes is where you go for these these unique links and, and the, the tidbits that Jason shared. So crowdspring.com, I'll definitely have that in those. Right when you go to the website, you see their name in blue. So right there, you know it's a trustworthy place, as as Jason just just uh, taught us. But I also want to ask you, Jason, the the design of a brand can can influence whether people want to invest time or money into you. So how can, how can we create a brand identity that would make a person that is in our target audience jump at the opportunity to consume our business uh, or content? We always want to be focusing on our target audience. We don't want to try to be something for everyone. I think this is the challenge with brands is we want to turn people off, right? That is the definition of knowing that you're going after a certain group that identifies with the product, right? So Black Rifle Coffee Company, right? Uh, you know, a, a heavy focus on, uh, you know, uh, their their amendments and their rights and they're going to turn people off with that design. They've also built an incredibly huge business around this, right? And so I think that's important to realize is that you are uh, you shouldn't be trying to, it's very difficult. It's not that you shouldn't. It's just difficult to try to convince somebody to join your brand when they don't resonate with it, right? There's just, it's better to build a brand with the people that are more like you, uh, who identify with what you're putting out there. And so they say, okay, here's the place. Here's the place that I go. And you don't have to have that many people to build 
what would be considered a successful business? You know, what what's the you know the the thousand true fans uh, blog post that circled you know maybe a decade ago where you know if you have a thousand people that pay you a hundred dollars a year just made $100,000 a year. That's not many people, 1,000 people. And we can typically think of 1,000 people or, or find them through groups that you know have our same industry and our focus and our desires. Uh, it, it's not, it, when you break it down like that, it's not that hard. And we can see this in action. We see this with, with Patreon, with Substack, with OnlyFans. We see you know these, these platforms that have said, okay, you know, provide the content and, uh, you know, people, you're going to resonate with a certain person who's looking for this. So I didn't mean to kind of hijack the question, but I think that's a very important um, uh, point that that we we, we try and uh, that, that conflicts within us is that how do I get somebody into my camp? You know, it's better just to talk to the people that, you know, you know, are going to resonate with what you're putting out. Yeah, no, and I appreciate that, Jason, because I'm transparent on the show. You know, I, I am a, a work in process as, you know, an entrepreneur and a, an aspiring, you know, person that can influence others to, to be excited to, to chase their dreams. Well, and and so let me let me interrupt you right there, because that's also a great brand. If people are thinking about like what type of personal brands to build this ability to build in public. I don't know if you've heard of this this term, but but it's yeah. a popular way where you just you you show your mistakes, you show the process, you show the messiness, you know, when I was building this house, I'm watching so many YouTube channels about how to, you know, build something. And I hate when they edit the video because they're like, oh, mm -hmm. and you just do this. And then they splice it. And then like, oh, that's probably because it wasn't that easy. And it took you 30 minutes to do it. And you wanted to show a nice clean layout. The much better content is when it's just raw. They're just showing you, you know what, like, you know, this, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing it maybe incorrectly. You know, the comments are blowing up with critiques, but people enjoy that. And I think there's a lot of ways to build in public uh, within any industry, right? Focusing on that niche, uh, I think is incredibly important, which is something you're doing. Does the visual identity of the brand influence how much someone's willing to to pay? If you, and this probably, you know, can kind of depend on your target audience and what your services are and, you know, are they are they a company that would be willing to invest a lot of money versus you know sure. a singular consumer? But do you think like the visual identity of that brand does that influence how much someone's willing to part with their hard earned dollars? Absolutely, and and you know our logo projects start at three hundred dollars, and so when you think about you know the service that you're offering, a lot of times it's just you know a couple extra sales, you know. So it's like, do you think you can get? two or three extra sales over the course of your, of using this brand. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a no brainer to say, you know, this is, this is worth testing. It's worth experimenting because the challenge with, with bad design is you're up against so many competitors that it's just table stakes. It's just table stakes to have a, a well thought out, uh, design and something that looks clean and it looks professional. The problem with poor branding is it shows you just don't care. It shows that you don't care. This is what the consumer's thinking. Think about when you're purchasing a product and you, you know the um, the design just is out of focus or doesn't look right or it or it's um, a lot of times with cheap designs you'll try to over communicate. You'll put too much information within the package and so you know you'll see a logo where they list out kind of all their services and a bunch of different symbols to represent all the services. 
it looks sloppy. They're trying to overcompensate by uh, with a poor design by adding more, and it's not very effective, uh, right? Especially when you you know you shrink that down to an email, you know, or an avatar on on social media. I I can't even tell you know what you're doing, and so it signals to the consumer that you just don't care enough about your product. And if you don't care enough about your product or your service, why should I care, right? I'm the one who's giving my money. Uh, and if you don't care as the one trying to you know, receive that and provide a service, um, there's, there's doubt. And that's what kills businesses is creating this friction, creating this doubt. We never want somebody you know, to come to our, our website or our offer and say, well, you know, am I going to get what they're promising? Do they actually know what they're doing? Design is an easy way to say, hmm, this person's this person's professional. I'll check them out. I'll, I'll dig a little bit deeper. I'll engage with them. You know, yeah, I'll buy this product. I'll see how it works. That's what we're doing with design. And because it starts, you know, so reasonably, it's not a big investment and it's not a big, uh, big, big um, ask to say that this is going to increase sales by one or two in order to pay for itself. It's It's going to do much more than that. Yeah, and you're investing in something that, you know, is going to pay dividends over the long term. So, you know, a small price now in making sure your logo is 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 correct and, and delivering the message you're seeking to deliver, you know, that's going to possibly influence whether your business or, or personal brand even succeeds or, or, you know, whether or not you want to continue doing it if you if you don't feel like it's resonating with with the people that you're trying to target. So, sure. Yeah, in, in the uh, in the show notes, absolutely. We'll tag the link. If you want to work with Jason in that way, if someone wants to reach out to you personally, Jason, do you use any social media or is email the best way? If someone wants to contact you to learn more, uh, how would you prefer they do that? Email is the best way, Jason at crowdspring.com. Perfect. Well, Jason, I got one more question for you. And this one's kind of, you know, just one that was on my mind regarding branding. Is there, is there a myth about building a brand that you want to debunk right now that you think you, you know, it's, it's common or one that you've heard people say that you as an expert know that's not true? Well, I think we, we kind of teased around it earlier and, and it's, and it's really to kind of give that, that, uh, that permission to start without having, you know, the brand fully thought out, you know, you, uh, you want to get started. And so I think the idea that you need everything in line at the beginning, uh, really is a crutch that you're, you're leaning on to delay, you know, your work, right? You're getting started. It's messy. You know, the first episodes or the first books or the first podcasts or the first, you know, uh, blog posts, you know, they're, they're going to be messy and nobody's going to read them and you're going to look back later and cringe, but you've got to get started. And then the next thing you got to do is start focusing on this brand, right? But you want to make sure that you start with the movement and then start focusing on this brand. If you have the knowledge, obviously, it's going to be much more helpful if you can start from the beginning by identifying, you know, who's this audience that I'm trying to reach? Why am I valuable? How am I going to, to impact their lives? But, but definitely start moving first and, and then, uh, you know, reach out to CrowdSpring and, and uh, we'll, we can help you get started with those visuals. That's great. Well, Jason Beyer, Marketing and Partnerships Manager at CrowdSpring, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest today, share your knowledge. We'll have people reach out to you and we look forward to following your journey, sir. Sounds good, Eric. Thanks so much. 